Hello, I'm Dr. Louise Newson, and welcome to my podcast. I'm a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. I'm also the founder of the Menopause Charity and the Menopause Support App called Balance. On the podcast, I will be joined each week by an exciting guest to help provide evidence-based information and advice about both the perimenopause and the menopause. So today I'm very excited and delighted to introduce to you James Smith, who I met recently when I recorded a podcast for his series, actually, which was a real honour. And we had the most amazing response from it, both on my social media and his social media. And so James will explain more about who he is and what he does. And so we thought in the new year, new start and all that, that we would talk a bit more today about the importance of exercise as something that we all should be considering, actually. So welcome, James, today. Thank you very much for having me. So before we get started, James, for those of you, I'm sure most people will know who you are, but some might not. Do you mind just talking a bit about who you are and how you've got to who you are, really, if that's okay? So I'm an English personal trainer. I grew up in Berkshire. And for years on end, I just administered personal training sessions with very much general populations, just normal men and women that had normal jobs in a normal part of the UK. And I accrued probably close to 5,000 hours of personal training in that time. And when I was training people, I would always keep in mind the questions they would ask me. And at the end of the day, I would turn that into a social media post. Mm-hmm. And I thought that if the people that are paying me have that question, the people that could be paying me probably want that question. And that kind of took off and went a little bit crazy in the last few years to the point that I now work online and I turned my face-to-face service into an online academy to be more accessible, similarly to what you've done with the app where Mm. you're working with people, you're helping people and you're being stretched so thin. You're like, hold on, I need to create something that I can serve more people simultaneously. And I don't try and work with athletes. I don't try and work with elite level physique competitors. I very much love my population of of normal people and they're who I've served for the amount of time since. Yeah, which is great, isn't it? So what sort of questions were you getting that you were surprised with then from the start? So there'd be the general nutrition ones like, what is a macronutrient? Do I need to worry about calories? Is when I eat a problem, should I be eating breakfast? And these were all, you know, great questions. And then later in my career, I was stumped and I always prided myself on knowing the answer to questions. And someone would say, does my menstrual cycle affect my training? And I'd be like, whoa, the PT qualifications we do in six weeks. You know, we're in like a, a gym in Reading where they're like, don't step over the barbells. Don't be inappropriate with your client. We were even teaching how to massage someone's calf on a vibrating plate. We didn't learn the important <laughs> intricacies of the menstrual cycle or menopause or any of these things. So it kind of would enable me to go on little journeys of not even doing official courses a lot of the time. I'd listen to podcasts and find people that were authoritative in the field. And mm-hmm. instead of going, I know, I'd say, this is what this person has said. This is what mm-hmm. this person said. And I'd often put that forward into social media as well, just to show people my findings. Mm. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I, like you, started dabbling with my Instagram and one of my children just said, well, just put a post out every day. And a lot of it was comments that people told me in the clinic or questions that they asked. And I think when you're in anything for a long period of time, you think everyone knows the same as you. You forget really that that actually we've all started somewhere and you forget that it's the basics that are lost. And I think now with the 
social media and the internet's great, but it's a double-edged sword because there's too much noise, too much information, and then none of it's really personalized either. So just because somebody's saying something, and also you don't actually know what's true out there either, do you? No, and I've even seen trends at the moment of people on social media platforms like TikTok reeling off a minute of infactual information to then at the very end go, if you believe that, then that was all wrong. Follow me to find out what's right. And I was thinking, hold on, someone with a short attention span has just listened to you very convincingly prove that insulin is the cause of obesity and that people just need to manage their carbohydrates. There's a lot of rubbish on the internet. And again, the way that algorithms work, sometimes things that aren't true will spread faster than things that are true. So, Oh, absolutely. And also bad news sells stories, doesn't it? So it's really important for some media platforms that they have misinformation because they're more likely to get an audience, which is really scary, actually. So just to put things into context, really, the reason that we connected was that you posted a picture on your story, didn't you, on your holiday? Just explain what the picture was, James. So I'll tell people the honest truth. When I was releasing my book, we were looking at who I was going to be competing with. And your book was the week before <laughs> Smash Sunday Times, number one. And I was like, we sat back there, we're in this camp of, oh God, we're in trouble here. We're like, <laughs> menopause book wow we know this is a subject of contention i openly have admitted for years that i wasn't an expert on it and uh, i was very fortunate the week after to come in behind you and i was like i need to buy this book <laughs> and at one point i'll say this honestly i was like this is the enemy i need to find out what the enemy is <laughs> i ordered your book and on the same week i was worried it might knock me off and uh, it came in the post and i literally had a flick through it and i was like wow this is a perfectly concise informative book about something I need to learn. So I took it on holiday with me to Dubai and I got some interesting looks and a few people around Paul Lee and Kim spoke to me to say how nice it was. I also mm. was wearing Speedos at the time. So you got a guy with a mustache and Speedos in Dubai reading the book on menopause. <laughs> yeah, weird. So before the book, you didn't know much about the menopause and now I'm delighted. If anyone listening has heard the podcast with James, I'm sure you'll be very impressed with the stats that you're quoting and the information that you've retained from the book. So it was quite an eye-opener to you was it yeah do you know before i read the book i was still in a stance of pro hrt and i'd say to people i think this is the best thing for you i'm not qualified to tell you this you need to delve further and just having that stance i actually before the book thought there was a heightened chance of developing breast cancer and i still believed some of the old stigmas but i mm. still stood by the fact that i thought that someone assisted with hormones would then be in better control mm. of alleviating the chances of these things happening so I was saying, you know, even if there is an increased chance of this, same way that I still think that testosterone in men can potentially have an increased chance in things going wrong, but it could also open a complete pathway to so many things then going mm. right. And I think that's so important, isn't it? Because there's risks in anything we do. You know, we get in a car, we cross the road, certain things that we eat or lifestyles that we might have are risks, but we do it for the beneficial effects, don't we? Every time we cross the road, we don't think, goodness me, I might get run over and that will be the end because we want to get to the other side. And and I think with any hormones, it's almost been, I don't quite know why, and you say testosterone as well and estrogen and progesterone, there's been this thing how dangerous they are. We don't have any danger associated with other hormones such as insulin or thyroxine. And I don't know quite why this has happened, but it's become a real disaster zone. And it's really important also when we think about the menopause, as you know, is not just think about 
the hormones to control symptoms. It's actually how hormones can improve our future health, which, you know, is so important. But it's also a lot of people quite openly tell me off, really, for medicalizing the menopause and saying, well, all you're doing is saying HRT. And actually, I'm not doing that because whether a woman takes HRT or not, she still has to look at her future health. So there's no point me taking HRT and eating McDonald's for breakfast. I don't do that, by the way, and not doing any exercise or not looking after my sleep or not even looking after my headspace. It's really important to do everything, isn't it? Yeah, I think that every component of health, including mental health, I always see it as a table that's propped up by many legs Mm. to make sure that we're not neglecting any of them because you only need to lose a few of them to lose the integrity of the entire table. And Mm. I always preach that to people. I'm saying, look, you need to make sure that every component doesn't have to be the best. It just has to be the best possible for you. You know, alcohol, for instance, so many people are like, oh, I'm not putting that in me, pointing at your HRT. Yeah. Oh, do you drink? Oh yeah. Four times a week. Do you smoke? Oh, only when I've had a drink. Yeah, absolutely. People are complaining about substances and hormones that exist within the body where we have actual, you know, roles for them and glands that produce them. Mm. And yet they turn a blind eye to negative behaviors such as alcohol. And I I drink again with the risks. Mm. We know that alcohol isn't particularly good for us, but we know that it's a social lubricant that will help Mm. us in situations. So yeah, it's quite frustrating that people are still so afraid of bettering their situation using things like hormones. Mm. It is interesting. I mean, I'm, I would say I'm active rather than super fit. So I probably haven't got that sporty gene. <laughs> and I used to hate running and cross country at school. And I, in the 80s, when I was at medical school, it was step aerobics. <laughs> and uh, I used to go and think, oh, I really don't enjoy this and do swimming. But then I'd have to wash my hair and it was the right faff to just get back to lectures. And, and I've sort of dabbled with various exercises. And then as I've, the last I think 18 years, actually, because it was when my oldest daughter was young, I went to my first Ashtanga yoga class and I looked at all these positions people were in and I thought, no way, how can they do this? This isn't possible. But I've chipped away and now, as you know, I really enjoy Ashtanga yoga and it ticks a lot of boxes for me. But when I was perimenopausal five years ago, I just didn't want to do any exercise. I had no motivation. I had no energy. I had no stamina. I could actually physically see my muscles going in front of me. And my joints were really stiff and my muscles were sore. And for any of you who do yoga, if you do a really good practice, it flows really well and you've got this wonderful energy going on. And it just is the most amazing thing to do. But all my practice, I felt like a stiff, rusty old thing. And I just thought, I'm not doing this. This is awful. And you can see quickly how my body shape would have deteriorated. My mental state would have got worse. And I would have become quite stale with my practice because you have to keep practicing regularly with any sport, don't you? But I just thought, goodness me, it doesn't take long to reverse. Then it was 13 years of, you know, trying quite hard with my practice. So I can see how quickly you can become out of shape and forget about exercise but that's really awful isn't it to just neglect exercise completely from your life yeah I always say to people use it or lose it Mm. and even with mobility I think yoga is a brilliant thing it's got definitely a time and a place where I always think about a door and if you've got a door that never fully closes and never fully opens you'll accrue dust in the areas it doesn't go And that's my crude analogy of mobility. Mm. If we don't take joints through range of motion, there's no requirement for them to be able to be mobile through that. And 
you know, when I weight train, even on days that I'm really fatigued, I just think of it as putting a joint through a full range of motion. Mm-hmm. I just load. I think about just moving because otherwise my knee isn't going to come that close to my chest unless I'm doing squats or I'm using a leg press. And I think that women definitely enjoy yoga probably a bit more than men for mm. the reason behind it. I think the mindfulness, the nice music, the social circle, I think it lacks that kind of macho feeling that men get from the gym. But ultimately, we're not doing dissimilar things. Mm. Taking an hour out of your day. And I think that now, as the world progresses 20 years from now, having an hour that you're not on your phone could be... Oh, it's huge, isn't it? Yeah. And for so many practices, people are like, yeah, I feel great after I train. And it's not just the exercise. It's not just mindfulness. It's an hour they've had disconnected Mm. from a virtual world. Yeah, which is really important because I think a lot more of us are doing exercise remotely. I've always enjoyed yoga because I can flick my mat out whether I'm in a hotel room or whether I'm on my own. I don't have to go to the gym. I don't do it as a social thing. I'm not a very social person because I work too hard, but I'm in control of it. I don't have to think, oh, there's a certain class at a certain time or whatever. But I think being in control of your exercise is really important. But As we get older, it's really crucially important because of diseases such as osteoporosis, heart disease, even dementia, we can reduce our risk by exercise, can't we? I always add to that sarcopenia. Mm, Absolutely. I always have to sell something to someone. I can't just have something that's going to save someone's life or make them feel better Mm. or have more sex when they're older. I literally am a salesman being like, your muscles will deteriorate, your Mm. bone health, and I have to sell a solution to them. And it's interesting you say you like training at home. I think the world is split into two groups, half of which that like doing what you're doing, staying at home, doing their own thing. Me, I have a really nice place I live, but I go to a crammed cafe to do work because I need to go somewhere to get something done. And when I go in that cafe and I open my laptop and I have a coffee, I'm there to do something. Then I close Mm. my laptop. I have to go to the gym. So I know that when I'm in the gym. So for some people, it's sacred being at home. For some people, it's sacred gym i couldn't imagine anything worse than training at home this is where i nap i can't nap the same place that i exercise (laughs) no it's very interesting and actually i'm very lucky because i have the best of both worlds so i have a yoga studio in my clinic and so on a wednesday morning at 10 o'clock everyone knows forget getting hold of me because james critchlow who's the most amazing yoga teacher who's now in his 60s i don't think he'll mind me saying he's one of the sort of real yoga gurus he comes and teaches three of us so we have a little bit of a social time one of them is my best friend and so it's really lovely having that and it's a very different practice to practicing on my own because actually just listening to James's voice for five minutes is good enough even if I didn't do any yoga you know he's very calm he's very polite he's just a wonderful person to be around so I couldn't do it all on my own if you see what I mean and to have a balance is great and to have people who believe in you and can help you become motivated and see it as not just a chore because I think so many people don't they they think exercise is something to be endured I've got a lot of friends who tell me I just exercise so I don't have to put on weight or I can eat what I like as long as I exercise and that's a shame because I think that means they're not really enjoying the exercise that they're doing I think that if someone's extrinsically motivated they're often doing it to avoid bad things happening Mm. and that's a terrible way to motivate someone when people are motivated by earning money or avoiding something bad happening, they're not motivated the right way. And I think one of the key components to yoga is the fact you can progress and everything has to have an element of progression in it. And people doing poses that they once couldn't do is something they can go home and be like, I could do warrior three, warrior three or warrior two, whichever one it is. And the same goes with weight training. A lot of people think that when people are going to the gym, that it's just about, you know, oh yeah, big squats, big deadlifts, dropping weights. But For instance, with some of my older clientele, 
people, I would say some, we need somewhere to begin. And when I look at weight training and people often see squat, push, pull, and maybe picking something up from the floor. They're four very simple movements. And someone will come to me and go, James, I'm really weak. I'm so weak. And I go, no, no, it doesn't matter. You have a start point. And for a client who's 50, let's say, she's just come in, never trained before. I'm not going to give her a weight. I'm going to find a plyometric box that's 12 inches off the floor. I'm going to see if she can sit down on it and stand up 10 times. Mm. If she can do that. And at the end she goes, oh yeah, that was pretty tough. You know, we are resistance training in a gym. And if you were to leave me alone for three months and come back, she'd be doing the same thing, but maybe holding a small weight in front of her, maybe doing it with a split stance, one leg in front of the other. And similar to how people progress in yoga, my clients would progress in the gym, getting stronger. And mm. someone on the outside, they go, oh, she's only holding a six kilogram bell to her chest. But we've progressed so far from that original 10 standing up and sitting down. And they're the things that really motivate people to continue an endeavor, not to come in and go, oh, I just don't want to have a heart attack. Those people never stay around. No, and that is so important. And one of the motivations that I have for exercise is also looking at people who haven't exercised. When you're a teenager, you can do anything. You don't need to exercise, do you really? If you don't want to, you'll still look good and you'll be able to do exactly what you want. And then when you hit around the menopause or middle life, you could sort of get away with it. Maybe your body shape will change. But then I see women in their 70s and 80s and they can't use a Zimmer frame. They can't get out of the bath. They can't stand up from sitting down. And these are the women generally who haven't been exercising the last 30, 40 years. And they're the people that I think, I don't want to be like that. I enjoy my bath. <laughs> I want to be able to get out of it without asking my husband to pull me out. <laughs> it sounds bad to say this because the person we're talking about is my mum and dad. And I'm a personal trainer. I'm probably one of the most popular or well-known personal trainers in the whole bloody country. <laughs> My mum and dad have never been to the gym. Really? I see my mum pick up a slipper and I'm like, mum, you're back. Mm. It's sad in the respect that they don't want to learn and they won't listen to me with what it is, but I'll be there when they're too old and stuck in the bath. And I'll be like, I bloody told you that you should have picked things up. But that's one of the things that I now sell to people. I say, look, like um, I joke around my dad. I said, look, the day that I can't go to the toilet on my own, finish me, take me Mm. to Switzerland get rid of me and my dad says only if you let me go the same way and i say to people as well it's like look one day in your life you're not gonna be able to go to the toilet on your own wouldn't it be nice to push that back as far as we can yeah. and again it's semi-crude semi-crass but at the same time it's a reality that mm. we need to protect our movement our ability to pick things up move well and it is the active people who have had positive habits of remaining strong their entire lives that are the ones that have less issues when they're older yeah it's so important and also it's looking at which areas of our bodies we're exercising as well so I've seen lots of people who have been really fit far fitter than me especially with running cycling less so but certainly a lot of runners and also people that go to the gym and do weights a lot but then certainly the women they come in and their pelvic floor is terrible you ask them to cough or sneeze there's no way they can do that (laughs) or they're getting back pain and it's because they haven't been protecting their core they haven't been doing pelvic floor exercises and I mean that's the same for men as well isn't it James it's not just for women yeah and again this postnatal realm that we're in so many of the issues that women can face can be symptomless Mm. and then one day they just won't be able to perform a certain exercise and people need to be protective of this and not just even protective first of all aware of it Mm. and one thing that I'd stress to people is it's never too late. Like I've had clients come in before, 40s, 50s, 60s. And like I say, there's a start point for everyone. And there's so much equipment in the gym, suspension straps, stacking up. Like 
most of my clients would never even go to the weights room. And when I said before about squat, push and pull, I've got boxes they can sit on. I stack up boxes. So many, especially women will come to me and say, I can't do a push up." I say, well, you can't do one on the ground. But if I get 36 inches of plyometric boxes, which is about their waist height, and I get them to do it at an angle, suddenly I can get them to do 10. Mm. And their progression is then making that stack of boxes smaller. When I get them to do rows on a suspension trainer where they're pulling themselves in towards the straps, there's going to be a foot position where they can do 10. And over time, their feet are going to get closer to the anchor point. And for so many people, we're not trying to intimidate people and say, put that weight on your back and squat. It's about getting people moving, doing step ups, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and challenging people. So you'll probably know more about this than myself, but the way someone feels about themselves when they exercise, it's more of a respectful thing. When they do get offered some food they don't want, oh, I just trained this morning. I started the day with a positive yoga session or a weight mm-hmm. session. I'm going to say no to this. Or the other respect, people might say, oh, this cake flying around at the office. Yeah, I trained really hard this morning. I'm going to have that cake. But I'm not going to let it ruin my day and I'm not going to write it off till Monday because I've earned that. And yeah. I actually tweeted yesterday going, isn't it so much better when you can respond to someone saying, I've been to the gym when they ask you what you've been up to? I was like, it just... We went, oh, you know, I went to the gym. Don't worry about it. I didn't do much, but I went to the gym. It is. And I think you're right there because it's respecting yourself as well. And I think there's so much in life people do for other people because it's expected of them. And then they're made to feel bad because they haven't done it or said something or whatever. But I think it's about internal respect is really important and feeling good about yourself because there's so many we've all done it we've eaten something we thought oh I shouldn't do that and then maybe not wanted to admit to others but actually I don't really care what other people think about me or my habits or my exercise it's about what I feel about me and am I am I the best version of myself and I know that sounds a bit cheesy but I think as we get older we're in complete control of what we do aren't we like you're in control whether you exercise at home or go to your cafe or not no one's telling you to do that you're doing it because that's making you do the better job if you see what I mean and it's so important that we find what's right for us isn't it such simple habits like uh so many times I've asked my clients as well I'm like do you make your bed in the morning yeah I'm like yeah because it's a respect thing you're like okay I want to get into a nice bed when I finish the day it's a chore in the morning you get the payback in the evening with the training and I actually if I need to get really firm with a client I say to them, like, look, you're going to suffer one way or the other. You can do your suffering now, one hour a day with me, or you can suffer when you're older. And I'll say to them, I'll look them in the eyes and I'll be like, human beings underestimate the chances of bad things happening to them. And then they're like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm like, do your suffering today. Get in the gym, work hard, come out. And another rule, if anyone's listening, get my PT hat on. I call it the four set rule. I say, listen, days you don't want to train or you're not feeling up for it, just go in and do four sets of the exercise. If you do those four sets or at home and you still don't want to do it, go home. But by the time you've gone and done the four sets, you're like, actually, I'm feeling a bit better about this. Mm. And like you say, it's a respect thing. Yeah, my father always used to say the hardest part of any job is starting it. And that's the same with exercise. You can always fiddle around thinking, oh, I just have 10 minutes flicking through Instagram. If you do 10 minutes exercise, it leads to 20. But even if you only do 10 that's an hour and 10 minutes a day, isn't it? I mean, in a week, that's still better than nothing. And so I think anything has got to be good. But we haven't really spoken about the types of exercise. And I'm really passionate about women and men deciding their exercise for them. Because I think if you enjoy it, then you're more likely to do it. But there has been quite a trend for the sort of high intensity workouts, which I think do have a role 
but I do see a lot of women doing them and firstly they don't really enjoy them it seems to be messing up with their knees but also those women who do want to change their body shape and maybe become more toned and lose some of their middle age spread that often occurs during the perimenopause and menopause they find that hard and I'd be really keen James to hear your thoughts about these types of exercises unfortunately hit training is the easiest thing to sell because everyone has access to hit training you don't need to go to a gym where most people either don't want to go live too far away don't want to be tied into a 12-month contract the exercise is not gender specific whereas if you were to promote something that does a lot of bum training people think it's women arm training they think it's men hit training has been mass marketable and also with HIIT training, you can give everyone the same exercise, charge everyone the same amount of money, give everyone the same diet. And I completely agree. I personally don't enjoy it. I personally think it's too much impact for people to recover from. The reason that you do box jumps in the gym, they put boxes there, is to reduce the amount of impact. An athlete is supposed to jump on top of it and step down. So people are like, hold on. So we, we don't want athletes jumping. We're like, no, no, no. We want to limit the amount of impact at all we give anyone. So seeing people jump around and then the answer to the question we asked before about needing to progress for a lot of these people, the only way they're going to progress is more flexion, more jumping, more impact. Mm. And, you know, as someone progresses, that's not a good correlation to offset injuries. And the frequency in which they're doing it is often daily. And not to mention stressed individuals where if someone's stressed, People can't believe this when I say to them, I'm like, okay, you want to get a bit more toned. And I have to say to them, toning's not a thing. We have muscle. It's either used or it's not. We have fat. You either have too much of it or not enough of it, or you're in a sweet spot, a, a range. Mm-hmm. The tone look, we need to maybe reduce your intake of calories a bit. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. And this is an analogy, which again, you might pick a hole in. Imagine you go into your bathroom and there's a massive leak. You know, there's water all over the floor. You're like, oh my God, what's going on here? When addressing fat loss in clients, that is plugging the leak. That is the main priority. Your training modality is what you would use to clean the floor. So many people are trying to clean the floor without plugging the leak first. Mm. Wondering why they're doing hours of hit, jumping around, not seeing any positive change. When really they should have gone in, plugged the leak, addressed their calories, and then mm. picked the quality that they enjoy. Pick a modality that feels right to them. Pick a modality that they can do for a long time. Because they might be cleaning this mess up for quite a while. And so many people haven't really come into this argument looking at it that way. And for some highly stressed individuals, we give them a protein target. We give them a slight reduction in calories. We give them two workouts a week and you see results. Yeah, it's very interesting. I've had a lot of women I've spoken to have reduced their exercise and done better. And I think it's like anything, isn't it? I think it's about reflecting, refining, looking at the bigger picture. Nothing should be taken in isolation. And actually at the beginning when I was saying HRT shouldn't be taken in isolation, but exercise shouldn't be taken in isolation either. Or diet. You know, I see so many women who tell me that they put on weight. And I understand that because of the metabolic changes that occur without hormones. But then when I go through what they're eating, they're starving themselves. Or they're having like a low calorie, something ridiculous, ready-made low calorie bar or something with all these unnatural sugars in, which are worse than actually having sugar themselves um, because the body doesn't know what to do. It just makes fat from it. But then actually the calories they're having are just nothing, but their whole body is just changing. And then when they do try and eat, of course, they're going to put on weight, aren't they? There's also a really big issue that people have been fixated on weight. And so many manipulations. Again, I've made weight for jiu-jitsu competitions. 
I very rarely manipulate my calories that much. I manipulate sodium, my salt. I manipulate my water. I manipulate my vegetables. I drop my fiber three days out from a competition so that I have less food in me. And people don't realize the amount of weight fluctuations I have in a day. And often Mm. so many females, and again, this is from experience working with people, often women attack a diet very aggressively. They drop their food intake. They drop their carbohydrate intake. They even stop eating salty foods. They see a drastic reduction on the scale. It motivates them to double up on their training. They end up training too much on too few calories, creating too much stress. They then don't recover from that because they're not creating an environment to recover from it. They crash out, they burn, they blame themselves, not their regime. They Mm -hmm. blame themselves. And then they go again. And the biggest alarm bells for this is people use my calorie calculator online and they go, my calories seem a bit high. I go, no, 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 this is 1800 calories. This looks high because you've been restricting yourself on a thousand calories a day and binging at weekends. Mm -hmm. If I was to take what they were to eat at the weekend and reduce it from a net amount of calories for the week, suddenly things start to add up. And the fact that someone, an active female in their thirties or forties thinks 1800 calories is too high is where the alarm bells go off. Yeah, no, there's so much to learn, isn't there? And I think there's so much like we said before, misunderstanding as well. And I think people take what they want to from an isolation rather than putting it all together. And then I think with the missing hormones as well, it's a real car crash for a lot of people. So so I'm very grateful, James, for your time. It's been brilliant. And I hope one day you'll come back and talk more because we, I'd love to talk a bit more about hormones, both in men and women. But um, we've done a big podcast on James's platforms about menopause so today I really wanted to concentrate on exercise and it's been great having you to um, listen to your words of wisdom so thanks ever so much today James. No thank you for having me and I'm sure I'll be back on with whatever topics jump up if anything comes up in the news about anything that you're like oh do you know what James would be the right person to speak to I'd love to jump back on. Brilliant. And just before we end, this is I'm just throwing this out. We I, I didn't tell you at the beginning. I always ask for three take home tips. <laughs> so if I could ask you for three things that a menopausal or perimenopausal woman should be thinking about if they're not very used to exercising, what are the three tips you would give them? You should if you were to ask yourself how much you want to train on a daily basis out of ten, if that score is below five, don't train and try and identify why you feel that way, whether it's stress lack of sleep, poor nutrition, and focus on those things. Because often forcing a workout when you're not motivated puts you in a net worse position. So my number one tip would be, if you're not feeling six, seven, eight out of 10 motivated to go to the gym, understand why and fix that. Sometimes having a lay in the next morning would be much more productive to your overall longevity of enjoying training than some people have these cliche stuff where they're like, do you only bad workout is a workout you miss? So that's number one. Number two, If you are looking to lose fat or use a certain amount of calories, I do have a calculator on my website, but if you figure that out, times it by seven and give yourself an amount of calories for the week. And if you really want to have some fun, start tracking that on a Friday. And if you overconsume on the weekend, that's completely fine. And when you get to Monday, you divide the remainder of your calories by five days. And it might alarm you to how low your calorie amount is for the rest of the week. And that should be a good indication of how much you are overeating potentially the weekend, but also the requirement to create a deficit. And that gives people a lot of clarity on their weekend habits. And rather than just disregarding the weekend and keeping it at the back of their mind, they go, do you know what? Rather than wine, let's have a gin and slimline. Rather than having pizza, maybe I'll have a burger and let my husband eat the chips or whatever it is. There are little swaps and hacks that can help. So that's number two. And number three is to pick an exercise 
that you like. It has to be rewarding in your own way. And there is no objectivity to what is the best exercise. And even if someone does bring you the statistic of a certain exercise burning more calories than others, we cannot create a hierarchy of exercise based on the amount of calories burnt. Human beings are not hamsters that run on wheels to earn the next meal. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant tips. So thanks ever so much, James. That's been absolutely wonderful. So thank you. Cheers. Thanks for having me. For more information about the perimenopause and menopause, please visit my website, balance-menopause.com or you can download the free Balance app, which is available to download from the App Store or from Google Play. Music